normally don't wear a, a Packer hat to church. Oh, okay, I guess I've tried that before, haven't I? All right, I guess I can't say that one. All right, and, and, and you'll know in just a moment, you probably already see it, why I'm wearing a hat. Well, I'll come on, comment on that just a little bit. Now, you guys got to know that uh, this morning, we are seeking to glorify God. That's what this is about. This, this is about touching God's heart. And yes, you can even touch God's heart with a Packer hat and the stuff underneath it. But I, I pray that if one thing that you all take and that I do, and remember I get preached to first, take with you this morning, if you really want to show you love Jesus, obey him. Do what he asks you to do. You guys ready to do that? Oh man, not too confident. All right, well, well, see now, you'll find out why you didn't say amen to that so quick. All right, so I'm ready to try almost anything within reason at least once. So here we go. All right, you guys ready? We, we do have a, a top ten list for you this morning. And this is, pay attention, this is the top ten things you least like to be told to do. You got that? The top ten things you least like to be told to do. A little drum roll, please. All right, number 10 of the top 10 things that you least like to be told to do is clean your room. Yeah, all right. Number nine of the top 10 things that you least like to be told to do, get your homework done. All right, well, you haven't done that for a while, have you? Number eight of the top 10 things you least want to be told to do is, it's Monday, get up! All right. You guys are sleeping this morning, aren't you? Number seven. Oh, I like this one. Of the top ten things that you least like to be told to do, stop eating the cookies. Exercise. All right, yeah, I've eaten too many cookies. Number six. <laughs> of the top ten things you least want to be told to do, cut the caffeine. All right. Number five. Of the top ten things you least want to be told to do, number five. And boy, you guys are going to cringe on this one. Would you spend your money wisely, huh? Yeah. All right. Number four of the top ten things you least want to be told to do, obey your parents. Yeah, even when you're older, all right? And number three, a little side drum roll, please. Now, you guys know a little bit more of that drum roll. All right. Thank you, sir. Uh, uh, about a week ago, Pastor John and I had a little uh, gentleman's agreement going on, right? And, uh, and the agreement was if the Green Bay Packers won, they lost. If they would have won, Pastor John, where is he? Oh, he's, he's like skipped out of town, that's right. That Pastor John would have showed up in all green today, and even his hair would have been green. Well, dear friends, number three of the top ten things that you least like to be told to do is dye your hair purple. Yeah, all right. Yeah, all right. Yeah, get your pictures now. It's too late. At least I'm a good sport, huh? Right? The Packers are, yeah, the Packers are not defeated, right? Well, we'll see you in Green Bay, Minnesota. And Brett Favre, old man, watch out. All right, number two. Number two of the things that you least want to be told to do is, especially if you're a hard worker, work harder, would you? All right. And number one, you guys aren't going to like this one, but I know that number one is true. Let's have a little drum roll, a little, little symbols, a little. Number one is this. You don't want to be told to obey God. Now, you didn't flinch, did you? 
and it's still number one. And I put the hat back on so you wouldn't be distracted. <laughs> you guys got to know that I, I do everything for a purpose. Just you know this as we start out, not just to get laughs, but for a purpose. Paul was ready to do anything so that he might reach some. And I'm even ready to wear purple hair, so there you go. I believe that the number one thing, and I know it's true, on our list, your list, of things you don't want to be told to do is really to obey a God. Watch this, would you? Okay, so God, I, I wanted to get your opinion about something. Yeah, well, I figured since you're the all-knowing, you're the guy to ask about this, so... Yeah, it's a guy thing. You guessed it. <laughs> but I know what you're thinking. It's, it's not like before. I think this is the real thing. I do. He's very sweet. He's cute as a bug, and I think you're going to like him a lot. Oh, you do like him. Okay. But, oh, oh, can you hold on just a second? Just, just for a second. I just need to take this call. I'll get right back to you. Okay, thanks. Hello? <gasps> Hello? Fancy you calling me, I had no idea you would call today. Jack, so dude, did you call God like I told you to? Dude, to be honest with you, I don't believe he's gonna answer. Nothing, but. Okay. Not gonna answer? Dude, listen to me. God's real. He's gonna answer you. I don't know. I mean, why in the world would he? Father answering a call for me, I'm not exactly his people. Okay. I'll try. Hold on. Honey, it's God on the line again. He really wants to talk to you. Just, just tell him I'm not here. You understand how ridiculous that statement is? God doesn't have a type of people. If you call him, he's going to answer you. No, I, I, I'm really glad that you called. I was just thinking about you, actually. All the way downtown! Honey, it's God. He knows you're here. I just, I can't talk to him now, all right? I mean, I'm still angry. Oh, thanks. Dude, I'm just, I'm so tired of the rejection. You know, I just want a simple life where I don't have to worry about this stuff. All right, all right, look, I'm not going to force you to call it. Nobody's going to force you to do it. What's the score? I think it's like zero, zero. So, you know what? You want to just play horse or something? That sounds good. Let's do that. Oh, you're so sweet. You know what? I have another call. Can I, can I just put you on hold really quick, and I just need to get rid of this other person? Okay, thanks. God, it's him. He's calling right now. He's on the other line. So you and I can pick this up later, okay? Yeah, because, yeah, no, of course I want to hear everything you have to say. But, yeah, I, I got to take this. Okay, bye. Hello? Oh. After all this time, you're still angry? That was such a long time ago. You two used to be so close. Why can't you just move on? Look, but I, I can't just forget it. I mean, I don't know why you let it happen. I'm just, I'm sorry, I, I can't do this. Okay, look, I don't know if I'll ever be able to talk to him again. I'm sorry. Hi. Sorry, man. She's not budging. 
Hello? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're here. Hold on. It's for you. It is for you this morning. God is calling. Which person is you there? Maybe you're that distracted young lady there who, well, is more interested in what her boyfriend's thinking than what God thinks. Or maybe you're the young men there who are playing basketball, right, and, and thinking, you know, it doesn't matter to call on God. It's not going to do anything. Or maybe you're like the, the last lady there, that you're, you're not ready to hear God's voice because something happened in the past, and you're just not ready to hear God's voice. Your friends, God is calling today, and he has something for you and I to do. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 15 in the Old Testament, 1 Samuel. And, and as we've been talking about before, and we're going to talk about again, we're talking, learning through the example of King David in the Old Testament, of King David on how we can really touch God's heart. You know, oftentimes we, we want God to, to fill us up, right? To, to make us feel better, right? And there's nothing wrong with that and being blessed by God. He wants us to be blessed. But we're turning first to God today and saying, God, how can I, how can we touch your heart? And this morning we're not going to exactly learn through the example of King David because David was a man after God's own heart. We're going to actually take a little step backwards and to learn from the man who was the first king of Israel, and his name was King Saul. We're going to learn from Saul's mistakes to maybe not do those kinds of things, and indeed to listen to God's voice and to follow through on what he has to say. Now, earlier we, we kind of had a little fun, right? And we had at the top of the list the top ten things that people least like to be told to do. And here's a tough sermon this morning. Obey God is at the top of the list. 1 Samuel chapter 15, if you would, and we're looking, starting actually a few verses into the chapter, verse 17, verse 17, please, 1 Samuel chapter 15, and this, uh, the context is this, um, Saul has been told by Samuel, Samuel is God's prophet, and Samuel brought the word of the Lord that Saul should listen to and obey, Samuel uh, comes to Saul and he says, the Lord wants you to go ahead and conquer the Amalekite people. And if, and if we looked through history, we see that the Amalekites were people who were enemies of the children of Israel. In fact, when they were getting ready to cross into the promised land and they were in the desert, these people got in the way. These people were their enemies and tried to stop them. So God is saying, here you go, I'm going to give it to you. Go ahead, completely conquer the people and in fact, conquer the animals, the land, the whole thing and I will give it to you. But here's how Saul, here's what happened. Verse 17, we take a look of chapter 15 of 1 Samuel. It says this, 17 said, Samuel said, Although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become like the heads of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and he sent you on a mission saying, Go and completely, notice the word completely, destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Make war on them until you've wiped them out. And then Samuel asked, and obviously Saul did not follow through, why did you not obey God? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? But Saul, my goodness, thinks that he's still done right. Verse 20 says, but I did obey the Lord, Saul said. 
I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. I completely destroyed the Amalekites and brought back Agag their king. The soldiers, <laughs> the soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder, the best that was devoted to God, in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. And here's our key verse for this morning, verse 22. But Samuel replied, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. Dear friends, if you take a few moments uh, as you're looking at your Bibles and maybe as you're listening to me speak, here's what happened. Saul was said, go ahead, take the Amalekites, I'll give you the victory. Saul disobeys God. In fact, he goes ahead, yes, they annihilate all the people. And, you know, it's hard to look at this sometimes in the Old Testament to see how God would say completely destroy a people. But know this, God knows what he's doing, and they were enemies of God and of the Israelites. Saul is directed to knock out those people and to kill even all the cattle and all the sheep and everything. But, you know, he thinks like this. He thinks, you know what? We won the battle. I'm keeping the stuff, right? I deserve it. We deserve it. God didn't really mean everything, did he? So you think of Saul thinking this through in his mind, and so then Samuel comes and confronts him, and Samuel said, you know what, Saul? The Lord has told me that you've disobeyed him, that you've done this. And if we look then a little bit higher than we read before, verse 13 says this, when Samuel reached him, meaning he was going to speak to Saul, Saul said, the Lord bless you. I've carried out the Lord's instructions. But Samuel said, what then is this bleeding of sheep in my ears? What is this lowing of cattle that I hear? Oh my goodness, he denies it, right? Their evidence is right there, Saul lies. There the sheep are, bah, right? There the cows are, moo. He didn't fully carry out God's command. Now, if you think of it, you know, why not keep the sheep, right? Why not keep the cattle? They're good for us, right? They'll provide food that will be good on our farms and such thing. It seemed to make sense, but that's not what God told them to do, was it? Was, this is where you participate, was it? No. Your friends, then Saul goes on, and, and it's kind of the same old story. He does this, doesn't he? You see what he says in verse 15? Saul answered, the soldiers brought them from the Amalekites. They spared the best of the sheep and the cattle to sacrifice the Lord to God, but we totally destroyed the rest. You know, it started almost in the garden, didn't it? When something goes wrong, don't blame yourself. Blame someone else. Your friends, does that sound familiar? Oh, oh, the traffic sign, right? I, I couldn't see it, officer, right? I, I wanted to go 55, right? 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 The, the, the parents who say, oh, our, our kids, you know, if the teacher would only teach them better, they wouldn't be so spirited in school, right? All those different things, dear friends, we, we seek to want to blame somebody else. It's never your fault, right? It's never mine that I did something wrong. God seeks for us to obey him. And then Saul goes on, doesn't he? If we go back to the verse that we read before, verse 21, the soldiers took sheep and cattle from the plunder. The best, it was devoted to God in order to sacrifice them to the Lord your God at Gilgal. Oh my goodness, what's he doing there? Well, we kept it to give a sacrifice to God, right? It was a good thing, right, that we kept it because that's what we're supposed to do, offer sacrifices here. You know what I see here? A little ends justifies the means, right? We did something good, didn't we? But that's not what God told them to do, right? Right. 
Saul was asked to do a simple command, and God was ready to give it to him. Dear friends, what was the result of that? Because we often know that there's a consequence, a consequence to not obeying God, to not do the things that we're expected to do. Verse 24 says this, Then Saul said to Samuel, I've sinned. I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of the people, and so I gave in to them. Now I beg you, forgive my sin and come back with me so that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to him, I will not go up with you. You've rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you as king of Israel. And then verse 27, Saul makes a scene. As Samuel turned to leave, Saul caught hold of the hem of his robe, and it tore. And Samuel said to them, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given to one of your neighbors to one better than you. And indeed, that person would be King David. There's consequences, isn't there? When we disobey our parents, when we do something that's not right in the workplaces, right? When we go ahead and we go into a relationship that's not God's design, it's outside of marriage, there's consequences, dear friend. Saul lost the kingdom, that's what happened there. He expected to be king the whole time, but God said, you know what, you've disobeyed me. Here's the consequence, here's the judgment. And all along, Saul continues to try to justify himself before God. Dear friends, we can't do that. Can't do that. Here's the question this morning. As we look a little bit further into chapter 16, indeed, King David has chosen as king, they go through the, all the sons. Samuel thinks that it's going to be the tallest son, the ones that are good looking, the oldest sons, and he finally gets down to it. And if you would look in one more verse with me, chapter 16, it says this, verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, verse 7 of chapter 16, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. There was a little problem with Saul's heart, wasn't it? He only wanted to do what he wanted to do. He didn't have a willing heart to fully follow God's command. And so this morning, the question this morning is, dear friends, if God looked in your heart this morning, and by the way, he is, what would he see? If God looked in your heart this morning, what would he see? What would he see? Would he see a heart that's willing and ready to fully obey God in all of your relationships? A heart that's sincere, a heart that's conscientious, a heart that doesn't hold back and say, you know what, I'll do that when I feel like that, but that is fully ready to submit your life and every single piece of it to God and say, God, I'm ready to listen. Would your heart be like that this morning? Or is your heart maybe a little bit more like Saul's. Is your heart totally open this morning to hear anything that God would ask you to do? Or is there a little hard piece in your heart this morning? That no matter what, you're not going to let God penetrate. You're not going to let him in. What is that, dear friend? And I'll ask a tough question. How's that working for you? Dear friend, is your, is your heart, in fact, maybe even closed to what I'm speaking this morning? And this book right here, this thing called the Bible, we go to church, we hear everything, and then we walk out, and there's no follow-through. There's no obedience. Dear friend, if God saw your heart this morning, he does, by the way, what would he see? Would he see a man, a woman, a child, after his own heart? 
You know, sometimes I think it's like this. Now, you guys remember when you were a kid, and some of you are kids, so good morning. Uh, you remember this? So when, when mom asked you to clean your room, how many of you like to clean your room when you are a kid? Hey, nobody raised their hand. I guess that's, a, that's, a, that's an affirmation, huh? And, and you know, when your mom says, go ahead, clean that room, right? And when you get that room fully cleaned up, well, then you can go outside. And I was like, man. I can't believe my room's a mess. I guess I'm not going outside today. And I would love to play all day from sun up to sundown. Remember those days, right? Got to clean my room. So you remember what you did, right? You went to your room, right? You took all that laundry off the floor and you put it underneath your bed and you covered it all up, right? All right? And then you took all those toys in the closet and you went, oh, let's see, toy chest. Yeah, put it in the toy chest. And you fill up that toy chest. It's a total mess. And you look in your closet and you open it up and you watch out so nothing falls on you. And you shove all the rest in there and you barricade it up like this, right? And then you invite mom in, right? And she comes and takes a look and says, nice job, Kurt. Well, if she only looked underneath the bed, right? If she only looked in the closet, she wouldn't see that it was such a nice job. Maybe our heart's kind of like that, dear friends. It looks well, but there's some hard parts there that, God, you're just not getting that one. It's a little bit dirty in there. God's desire for us is, is what? His desire indeed for us is to obey his commands. Turn with me to the New Testament, if you would. Turn with me to the New Testament. Mark, the book of Mark, please. Mark. What is God's command to us? Because if we're looking at our heart and we want a heart that's ready to obey God, a ready that's heart that's ready to love God and respond to him, what, what does he have us to do? Mark chapter 12, Mark chapter 12, verse 29. Here is God's command to you and I this morning. If indeed we're ready to hear his voice and to follow through on it to obey him, verse 29 of chapter 12 of Mark. Jesus said this, 29 of Mark, the most important one, meaning the most important commandment, answered Jesus is this hear O Israel the Lord our God the Lord is one love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul with all your mind and with all your strength and then the second one is like this love your neighbor as yourself there is no commandment greater than these verse 32 well said teacher well said teacher the man replied you're right in saying that God is the one and there's no one other but him to love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than what? Than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. Jesus also said in the book of Luke, Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Why aren't we keeping it? You know, I think I call it the great disconnect. We're ready to hear the word of God. But something happens between the ears and the heart and the hands. From what we hear in this place and what God directs us to do, it just doesn't follow through. That, that command to obey God does get put at the top ten list of things we least likely told to do. And it started way back in the Garden of Eden where Adam and Eve were there. And they had one command, right? One command, don't eat from that tree. But they did anyway. Oh, yeah, and Adam blamed his wife. Dear friend, God so desires for us to touch his heart. But where is our heart? Where is yours? Where is mine? We prayed, dear friends, that indeed it would be a heart that's ready to not just hear, but to follow through what God would ask us to do. And that command is simply that, to love him with all our heart, all our soul, our mind, and then, you know what, to love those people sitting next to you. 
It's as simple as that. But indeed, we, we've sinned, haven't we, right? The truth is, you know what? We continue to sin. We do that thing over and over again. We continue to disobey God, and, and we continue to get the same results, don't we? So why do we keep doing that over and over again? Why don't we seek God's advice for our relationships? Why don't we obey our parents, right? And we can say, well, we're sinful people. We're continue to mess up. And well, that's right. That's not God's design, though. Your friends, there is a one who fully obeyed God. You know his name. His name is what? Jesus. And he was willing. He was willing. Remember when Jesus was in the garden right before the night that he was crucified? And there Jesus was. He's tearful. He's knowing that he's got to take on the sins of the world, that he's got to take on your sins, my sins. And that's a heavy weight to take on, isn't it? And he says to the Father, his Father, Lord, take this cup away from me, but not what? Not my will, but your will. Jesus loves you so much. Everybody here, you know that? You're loved by God. And God was willing to sacrifice his son for you, for me. God did indeed love the world, that he gave his one only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And then if you read verse 17, what does it say? It said, God did not send his son to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I have a question for you. Do you love Jesus? I didn't hear you. Do you love Jesus? Let's go to John chapter 14, verse 15, because if we really love Jesus, here's what Jesus has to say to you and I this morning. John 14, verse 15. John 14, verse 15. Dear friend, I know you love Jesus. But here is God's word to you and I to, the, to let us know how we can, re, can respond to a God who loves us. Verse 15, can we read it together? If you love me, you obey what I command. If you love me, you obey what I command. If you love Jesus, you really love Jesus. Not only open your ears, but let that heart wide open. And don't let it stop there. Be ready to act on it. When Jesus left this earth, he said what? He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. What? Teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the earth. That's the command that God has given us. It is indeed reaching one more life with Jesus Christ. Dear friends, we've got 76 days till Christmas. Only 76. Got your shopping done? And there's millions of people throughout this world who haven't heard the message of Jesus Christ and his obedience even to death on a cross. I'm challenging you to make that command of our God real for someone this Christmas. So this, this won't be the worst Christmas ever, but the best Christmas ever that someone might meet that little baby in the manger. And they might know that they have a God who loves them, perhaps that's you. And know that those who indeed hear the words of that little baby who would grow up 
that say, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Those words that say, if you believe in me, you will have eternal life. God's calling. Yes. Are you willingly ready to answer? Are you? And are you ready to obey? And all God's people who are ready to do so say, Amen. Amen.